Bless up and respect. We have a very special guest today. He is a reggae artist, rapper, and activist. We have Modest Yahoo. Modest Yahoo, welcome. Hello. Yes, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yes, yes, I. Uh, where are you calling from right now? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. All right. So, uh, yeah, we have a show tonight here. Hampton Beach to the beach town. Oh, very, very cool. And then you come all the way to our beach town on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. That's yes, right. from coast to coast, right on. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I wanted to get started uh, with just a little background. So your Hebrew name is Maris Yahoo, is that right? What's that? Uh, is, so your Hebrew name is Maris Yahoo, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your your previous religious background. You're so unique, and I really want to know about your spiritual journey. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. What would you like to know exactly? Sure. I would like to know just basically how you got started in, um, in your religious affiliation and then the path that you took as far as the different kinds of sex that you were involved in and then also how you have come into your new recent transition kind of out of the religious affiliation and into your own spiritual guidance and your own spiritual feel okay yes um <laughs> it's a lot there but yes <laughs> basically uh, when i was 16 i grew up um, when I was 16 years old, I went to Israel, and I was what I guess you call a secular, just some extent secular Jew, um, and um, I, I started, I think that around that point, I started to sort of become really interested in Judaism, and, and in my religion, and my identity, being 16 years old, and I got into uh, listening to reggae music through my cousins who are Bayesian. And uh, we started, they started playing me music, and eventually I started listening to Bob Marley and uh, hearing all the kind of quotations from the Old Testament, from the, you know, from the Bible in there. And it was the first time that I ever heard the um, Torah said in a way, or, or the words of the Torah in a way that really resonated with me. So I fell in love with that music, and I felt that somehow, like my identity... Even though I'm not Jamaican and I'm not uh, Rasta, you know, and I come from maybe the furthest place from that, uh, I felt somehow my identity was wrapped around that music. And I think, you know, part part of it being, you know, the music and part of it being the um, the history there, you know, with the Old Testament. And that really sent me on a journey and a search. And as I started writing songs and writing writing raps and all that kind of stuff, I started to use a lot of imagery from, from the Old Testament and from my trip to Israel and things that I had seen there. And um, But I was a very free-spirited kid, and I was very much all over the place and not really ready for any kind of rules or boundaries or anything like that. So I was far away from the idea, the, the religiosity of it all, but I was, I was definitely creatively inspired spiritually and so the next step for me was, I guess, um, I was about 19, 20 years old. I was living in, in New York City. And um, I was listening at that time to a lot of Sizzla. And that was when his, you know, early in his career, his early records. Yes. And uh, and again, hearing like all the reference, the consciousness and the referencing and Uchi Bonds and Capleton, all that kind of music. And 
basically I, I had saved up some money. I worked at Borders one summer and I bought a PA system and I put it in my room and during the daytime when people were out of work, I lived in an apartment with four, four other kids uh, in college and I would, um, I would buy tapes on Canal Street and I would listen to these instrumental tapes and I was listening to that conscious reggae music all day in my headphones wherever I was. And I would start to write rhymes like that and I was starting to incorporate a lot of ideas about roots and culture but through my lens, you know, and and I was incorporating a lot of um, uh, spirituality, I guess you could say, into the music, into my writings. And around that time, I... um, I really, um, I guess you could say I really decided to take it to the next level, you know, in terms of this whole spiritual thing. I decided, I guess, that I was going to kind of try to go further than I had gone, I guess. Um, And I I went, I kind of delved all the way in. I went to Crown Heights and I got into the religion. And at a certain point it kind of became, there was a transition where, it had been for me at first a sort of a feeling of a good feeling of sort of like feeding my creativity so, or my sense of empowerment, my sense of self. In the sense of, for example, when I put on a yarmulke for the first time and I wore it on the subway, I, I wore it down, down south, wherever I was, where I felt I was representing, you know, something important about myself. You know? and, um, and, and all these things that I began to take on, prayer and so forth and so on, and then at a certain point, it was like, well, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do that. But I felt like if I was going to go for it, I had to do the whole thing. So, you know, that was that was my, I moved to Crown Heights. I went to Yeshiva. I, I you know, disappeared for two years into that world. Uh, full force, I got married. I started having children. And now the only thing that's different about my story here as opposed to thousands of other, you know, suburban Jewish teenagers in America is that then my music career started to take off around the same time, which was just strange because here I'm living in Crown Heights and it's like this West Indian, you know, Labor Day parade, you know, there's there's reggae music in the streets all over the place, Mm -hmm. but I'm in the black hat with the beard and the, and the, in a suit, you know, in 100 degree weather, <laughs> walking down the street. And so there was this weird, this, this mixture of like my own identity just sort of like happening right to where I moved. But I put all the music down to the side. I put everything away. I just studied the Torah. I just studied and I followed the rules. I followed the rules. And um, I took it all very seriously. And, and the last, I mean, that, that, that was in 2002. And that, to go from 2002 till now, basically, I would just say uh, evolution and continued change. Um, I, you know, I, I, I branched out because, I guess, because of my, my career and because of everything. And I was able to travel. I was able to see different places. I was able to get to Jerusalem to see different types of Hasidim, not just the Chabad yes. in Crown Heights. You know, I was able to study with different people, learn different things. And I started to really explore all of Judaism, you know, within, you know particularly within the Hasidic world. But uh, all the different sort of ideas within it, uh, the different sections, and I, you know, then so then there was that initial break from Chabad, where people said, oh, you know, where I, where I sort of stepped away from that, I started exploring other things, and at that point, I sort of became a free agent, you know, like, you know, people in my community, I think at that point, sort of said, well, 
you know, he's going to do whatever he's going to do, obviously, you know. And I would do little things here and there. Oh, he's not wearing his hat anymore. Or now he's he's wearing, he's not wearing his suit anymore. He's wearing these kind of clothes or, you know, this thing or that thing. But I always had my beard, you know, and I had the, I still had that look, the look, even though I could fit in looking like a hipster on the street if I put a baseball cap on or whatever. Right. <laughs> I still, I guess, to some people, having the beard was like the rep, you know, really like, okay, well, it's still. And then, then this past four, five, six months ago, I just kind of came to a place inside where I just, it's just like a new door opened up, a new light went off, you know, in my, in my, in my head. And, and I just realized that I have to follow my instincts and that, um, you know, I just changed my ideas in terms of what I believe God wants from me, you know, or God wants from this world or from, from people, you know, there were certain ideas that never really, really, and I, I, I grappled with it. I never really came to, but I'm still full force amidst within the, the canon of Jewish spirituality and ideology. I'm, I'm immersed in it. It's part of who I am. It's the last decade of my life when I was, you know, spent all, you know, all my time outside of making music and, and my raising a family that, you know, I spent all my time in that and studying and, and meditating and prayer and all of that. So it's, you know, and I, I just, I guess at the bottom, the bottom line is I just felt on the inside when it starts to happen for real on the inside, I just, I think maybe for me, I just felt it wasn't so necessary to show it to everybody, you know, to show it's sort of like cutting your hair. You know, this story, there's so many, there's hair, so much caught up around hair. You know, yes, and um, you know the Nazarite vow and Samson and yes. all of that stuff. You know, so mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of beautiful imagery, a lot of power to it. You know, in the Kabbalah and the Jewish mysticism, there's a lot there. But uh, at the end of the day, what's real is what's what's going on inside. And to me, at, at this point, and you know, I just felt time for a change, basically. Yes, uh, that was beautifully said, all of that. Um, you just are an incredibly interesting person, and you've, you've just had a real journey, it sounds like. Um, and, you know, although you have cut off your hair, uh, I might say that there's a very handsome man underneath all that <laughs> Thank hair. Thank you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, you know, so I wanted to ask you, how are your devote Hasidic fans responding to the new change? I mean, have you had a different response or do you still have your your fan base in that sense mm. well there's a mixture yeah um i mean w w since the store started thank god so far my shows have been you know more there's been more people and there's been younger crowds and there's been you know it's it's such a mixture it's such a eclectic group of people that come to my shows the the hasidic uh, group of, of fans or, or uh, followers that they make up such a small percentage of of you know my fans mm -hmm. ever since you know King Without a Crown started getting played on K-Rock or whatever you know it was like all of a sudden it was like Middle America opened up and it was it was no longer about performing for the Jewish community when I you know would go on tour you know it was not so so that kind of expanded so luckily my fans my it's so funny to me that. The, there's been such there's such a wide variety of of the fans, and there are fans that have never even thought twice about you know the look. It was just like I've got fans in Brazil that I don't even think they know what Hasidic Judaism is, and and to them it's just like you know that's the way he looks. That's cool, you know. And then there are other fans, you know, that were like, wow, you know, changed their lives because of because of 
you know, because of uh, what they thought, you know, they had heard about my story, and they, so they went to that yeshiva, or they, you know, became super religious. You know, I had a fan yesterday come over to me at a show, and um, I was outside, I was in Boston, and I'm standing outside, and, and it's so cool now, because I can stand outside my shows, with all my fans coming to the shows, standing out there, and no one will recognize me. As long as no one pulls out a camera, I'm totally, like, on the L. Yes. And I can just talk to people and stuff and ask people, like, oh, what are you doing? What are you coming to the show? You know, like, what songs do you like? So I just talk to people, chill with people. So one kid came over, he realized it was me, and then he, he said, like, you know, I started wearing this yarmulke because you were wearing it, you know? So where does that leave me? What am I supposed to do? Huh. <laughs> you know? And, like, what am I supposed to say? You know, and I, I, you know that, that feels good to me that, you know, there's a lot of young Jewish Jew, Jew, young Jews out there are like it's there's a lot of confusion about what we are, how important it is, Judaism, and what what it means to you know what I mean, what it, what it means to our identity and to our lives, and you know, so to see that someone you know was inspired to really represent that is is wonderful. You know what am I supposed to say to that? You know, but on the other hand, you know everyone has to live their own life. You know that, and there's a time for that. Maybe there's a time time not for it you know there's a time for representing your identity to the world and showing and then there's a time of saying you know you know we're all kind of who cares you know mm -hmm. <laughs> i guess i guess i guess i, I guess I, there's a privilege to be able to take off your yarmulke and just saying oh who cares you know what i mean not everyone can do that i guess uh, right 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 you know and really at the end of the day it's uh it's all about the music I mean, to be honest, and at the end of the day, it's really all about your identity, I feel. Mm -hmm. So I can relate, and uh, yeah, that's really blessed, blessed words, and uh, very interesting, too, that what happened to you uh, yesterday with the kid coming up, and, uh, you know, I think people really look up to you, and I think that it is certainly a blessing that you are an idol of sorts to these kids who want to embrace their religion, maybe don't have the, the right influences, but they look to your music and your message, and there you are, and you are somebody that they they admire and appreciate so right on Yahoo. very very cool very cool thanks and i mean i guess that at the end of the day the message that can come out from from all of it is that you know it's really it's really like it's it's really the inside you know that's really what counts that's really the main thing i yes. think you know and, and you can you can have all the you know representations in, in the world you know but the, the main thing is you know who you are as a person and how you feel and what, what good you do. You know what I mean? And I know that's a message that's been put out there for a long, long time, and I'm not the first one to come to that, but mm -hmm. that's kind of, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Right on, right on. Well, Modest, let's talk a little bit about the music. Uh, I actually want to know, for, coming from um, a beatboxer myself, what got you into beatboxing? Just uh, listening. Listen, I, I guess, how did I get into it? Um, yeah, I want to know. I guess uh, I had a friend that did it before, and then and then I sort of started doing it for you know for kids at parties and stuff like that in high school, and um, you know little ciphers or whatever people would rap, and then I started beatboxing, and I kind of took to it really quickly. And for me, I, I loved music, but I had and I performed as a kid on stage singing and stuff, but I, no instrument came naturally to me. It was. And this kind of just came to me right away. So yes. I kind of just kept going with it. Right on. Yeah, I would say that uh, 
uh, your the bulk of your talent really is your lyric and your uh, and your song, your voice, and you can control that really well too. By the way, and it's a it's a lot to do with control, and uh, mm. you definitely have that for sure. Um, Thank you. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey as McTruth, MC Truth. Is that right? Yeah. So that was I was 18 years old. I was in living in Oregon. And um, that one, I started performing at a coffee shop, an open mic, with another guy, and we, we kind of made a little band together. And we, you know, we played some shows in the Northwest, a few shows here and there. Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how long did that last? That was about a year. Yeah, I think I was uh, uh, two years. I think I was, I was eighteen to twenty, about. Right on. Then I moved back to New York. Yes, to Crown Heights. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. All right. Um, who have you collaborated uh, with throughout your career? Um, quite a few people. Yes. P.O.D. Um, just recently, like now I'm on tour with two bands, and both of whom I've collaborated on their most recent albums. One is called Moon Taxi. Mm-hmm. They're a band, rock band from the South, but they wrote the song called Square Circles, which is amazing, amazing song. Um, and um, I heard it, and I loved it, and I actually wanted to do be on it, you know. And um, we were kind of knew each other, so I reached out. And then the other is a band called um, Dirty Heads. Yes. You know, they might know the Dirty Heads. So we're, we're, I'm on a track on their new record called uh, Dance All Night. Very cool. And uh, you you actually have a single out with Akon, right? Called uh, One Day, I believe. One day. Um, we recorded it. Um, well, this, that song came out like three years ago. I think two, three years ago. That was um two years ago maybe. And then I uh, and then we got Akon on. Yeah. No, that that track is amazing. I gotta I gotta go now. I got some stuff I gotta do. Oh sure, sure. Yes, absolutely, Maris Yahoo. Uh, thank you so much for listeners. Stay tuned um, for a ticket giveaway after the interview. He will be performing at the Pacific Amphitheater this Sunday, July fifteenth. So stay tuned for that, Maris Yahoo. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. Respect. We'll see you on Sunday. All right. Peace. All right. Peace.